coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Whoopi Goldberg had gotten our chocolates. A customer took them up there. And so I got a call wanting us to send chocolates for The View. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's How cool 13 that? years ago. And she still orders almost every week. Wow. She's very <laughs> generous. I mean, you know, she's a very polarizing figure probably to some people. You know, within the first year, I never dreamed of, you know, first of all, Dean and DeLuca, then The View, then the Aria Casino. Right. And really, I was afraid to call them Jelly Bellies because you always hear about getting sued. Right. Mm-hmm. And my sister was on a plane with a guy who works for Jelly Bellies. <laughs> of course, of, of and she course gives she them was. to him, and I'm like, Susie, that probably wasn't smart. Well, he shows up and he says, "We love these. We want you to put our logo on the box." That's so awesome. <laughs> and it's when I'm in that position where I need to use a restroom, I always buy something. Right. In place. <laughs> right. It's a guilt purchase. So I said, "We're going to get some guilt purchases by people who would never have come in." Right. And they're going to see what we have and be shocked because it's. I really think we're going to bring stuff to Tampa that's never seen. That's, that's awesome. That's that's your new ad campaign. You peed here now. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida, you're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday. Just hit the subscribe button and you'll get notified when an episode is ready for download. And then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. On today's show, our featured guest is Bill Brown. Bill is the founder of William Dean Chocolates in Largo, Florida. At the top of the show, we'll be talking about the dichotomy of restaurants being super busy and not having enough help or experienced help. We We have have a a great great show, show, so so stick stick around. around. Hey, Lori, have you ever been to Noble Crust? I have. What do you like there? Pork belly, pimento cheese, and fried green tomatoes are my favorite. Oh, yeah, I love that one, too. They actually call it the FGBLT. It's fried green tomatoes, pork belly glazed with a Tabasco honey sauce and pimento cheese. Mm -hmm. And it's the first item on the menu, so you can't miss it. And I think they should actually call it the OMG. Yeah, you've said that before. The chicken marsala is really good, too. It has chicken and chicken sausage, criminy mushrooms, and four cheese grits. It's so delicious. I love that they mix classics from the American Deep South and Italy. Noble Crust is famous for their fried chicken. I love it. Yeah, and the eggplant parmesan is out of this world. When we do a best eggplant parm list, it'll definitely be on there. Yes, it will. Speaking of lists, Noble Crust made six of them recently. Best Italian, Best Casual Dining, Best Pizza, Best Bloody Marys, Best Meatballs, and, believe it or not, Best Salads. Ooh, can I tell you another one of my favorite items? Yeah. 
the spaghetti and meatballs. It's oh, so good. Man, you're not kidding. You know what? They have a brunch on Saturdays and Sundays starting at 1030, which I love. And the deviled eggs are to die for. Let's go to Noble Crust right now. I'm in. Let's do it. Where can you find the freshest fish in St. Pete? Well, you can't get fresher than caught that day. That's what you'll find at Trophy Fish. The day boat special includes the fresh catch of the day, cooked how you want it, with your choice of two sides and a house-made sauce. They also have some incredible appetizers, like grilled street corn that's like crack, that stuff's so good, incredible grilled oysters, fresh fish spread, and much more. You will also find some options for the land lovers out there. All of this set in a setting that makes you feel serene and relaxed with your toes in the sand, like a day at the beach. They like to call their concept, Bait Shop Chic. So head on down to Trophy Fish, where you can grab a boat drink from their full bar and fill your tummy with the freshest catch around. Trophy Fish is located at 2060 Central Avenue in the Grand Central District, They are open Wednesday through Friday at 5 p.m., Saturday and Sunday at 12 to 3 for brunch, and at 5 for dinner. One of our favorite places to go eat in St. Pete is Engine Number 9. They've been a staple in downtown St. Pete coming up on seven years, and they are famous for their unique and tasty burger creations. As a matter of fact, they are on the St. Pete foodies list of best burgers in St. Pete, They also made the best hot dogs list, the best chilies, and the best wings in St. Pete. Aside from the food, Engine Number 9 is a great sports bar with lots of TVs, beer, and wine. And you can even get a regular old cheeseburger, too, so you can bring your non-adventurous eater friends. Check out Engine Number 9 at the corner of MLK and 1st Avenue North in downtown St. Pete. Their burgers can't be beat. So, restaurants are busier than a one-armed paper hanger right now. Oh, yes, they are. (laughs) Hello, Lori. (laughs) And some overly entitled people that either don't know or don't care what type of situation they're in, you know, regarding health or leaving, are, are leaving bad reviews. Right. And I think that's really shitty and obnoxious. It is. You know, we would normally be in our slow season right now, but it's busier than the normal busy season right now yep you know things things are getting better and seeming more normal and right now this part i posted this on facebook and but restaurants still have a huge struggle of getting qualified help you know in early pandemic times many people were questioning the wisdom of posting bad reviews i still question it now because everyone is going out and overwhelming restaurants that need the business but haven't yet gained back all of their firepower we we had some disappointing experiences at a few of our favorite places Mm mm-hmm and you will not know which places they were because we're not going to be going around publicly shaming a place that's having issues beyond their control. Right. And trying to get through until they can get their talent back. You know, and somebody commented, uh, well, when do we, you know, if they don't have enough people or they can't get enough food, whatever, then they shouldn't open. Well, guess what, butthole? They have to make a living too. You know, and then people pile on when there's the bad review with it. Oh, yeah, I won't, we won't be back. Right. That's the stupidest thing ever as well, because they have no idea what's going on. And you know what? Don't go back because you don't deserve their good food. 
Right. So now is the worst time ever to judge any restaurant. And, you know, we're, we're quite frustrated when we have a subpar experience, especially at a favorite place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're really let down. We were bummed out, man. But it's like, dude, they're just hang, trying to sur- still trying to survive, even though it's right. busy now. Right. And people can go out. People don't want to work. Yeah. Or they got another job or something. Right. And a lot so, of that did happen. Everyone wants to blame it on unemployment. That's not really what's going on. Well, that's part of it. It's part of it. It's part of it. But I think there was a lot of people in the hospitality industry that, you know, they got out, they found jobs online or or this or that, and they just don't want to get back into that lifestyle. Yeah. And most people agreed with what I said. Mm -hmm. But here's an example of one person that uh, said, she said, well, she says, I agree with this post in many comments, but I also wonder at what point did the establishments take responsibility? Some are open seating guests when they cannot produce product. Yeah, that's what I was talking about before poor service. Well, it's not just that they don't have enough people. A lot of the people that they do have don't have experience. Right. And they've it, had to just hire whoever they can hire yeah. because they're desperate. Yeah. So just be glad. You know, and, and then another problem is people that don't know what good food is making reviews and recommending places. And again, I'm not going to mention any names, but there's one restaurant that we tried years ago several times, three, four times, and it was never good. It, we thought everything had like no flavor, mm-hmm. very bland. And we stayed away for like three years. And suddenly we see a bunch of people making these raving reviews about it that it's wonderful. So we're like, oh, maybe something changed. Let's go try it again. We tried it again. And again, nothing changed. Right. But we had an epiphany. We're looking around. We're like, the place is packed. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, they don't know what good food is. <laughs> Yeah. And then here's, here's one more. A recent bad review on a place. Again, no names. What we do is if we see a bad review in our group, we will, if we know the restaurant and have their contact info, you know, if we personally know them, we'll give the chef or the owner a heads up. And we did that. And he came back later on saying, after reading the review, there's nothing I can say. I was there myself last night. Those people have no idea. The duck breast was served medium rare the way we intended to cook it. Right. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't like the way it was cooked. And he says, you know, chicken needs to be cooked more. Duck becomes unedible if cooked over medium. Right, because it's more like dark meat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the grouper, he actually admits, he's, but this is ironic, he says, the grouper was overcooked and they sent it back asking to be cooked more. <laughs> It's kind of like people ordering a steak well done. Right, right. And he further says, there's nothing I can answer to them and make it positive. The struggle we go through day in and day out to try to make the best food and the best experience we can, we have staff shortages and the knowledge is so low, meaning inexperienced people, mm-hmm. you'll, you will not believe it. I totally understand that, fill in the blank name of the restaurant, is not for everyone and that we do fail sometime at delivering what we aim for. But when people have no clue, I'm sorry, I'm not going to defend myself. Right. I don't blame them. So that's what I have to say about that. We will be right back with Bill Brown from William Dean Chocolates. Ramen is the ultimate comfort food, and Booyah Ramen on the 900 block of Central Avenue is my go-to. It's so freaking good. The broth is like a silky blanket to warm up your mouth, and the hearty proteins were just mushrooms for vegetarians. It'll have you saying, ooh, mommy, the umami is making my eyes roll back in my head. My favorites are the pork belly and the short rib. Mmm. And then there's the noodles. O-M-G. 
go get the best ramen in St. Pete at Booyah Ramen at 911 Central Avenue in the Edge District of downtown St. Pete. Do ya, Booyah? Dat's Restaurant in downtown St. Pete not only has some of the tastiest food, they are also unique and creative. They're the home of comfort food with flair, a foodie wonderland filled with bacon, cheese, and house-made breads. I love their shrimp and grits, which made our top 10 list. The trick is they use cream cheese and an Indian makani sauce. They also have a bunch of great burgers that use certified Angus beef. And two that they're famous for are the Cheesy Todd, where instead of a bun, you have two bacon jalapeno mac and cheese buns, and then the Double D, where you have two whole glazed donuts instead of a hamburger bun. Yeah, it's crazy. Crazy. I love the spaghetti in meatball, ginormous meatball stuffed with spaghetti inside the meatball, then served on top of more pasta. They also have tacos, fish and chips, meatloaf, pulled pork, grouper sandwich, salmon, a great steak salad, and tons more. They've got a huge location with lots of outdoor seating, and the inside is as spacious as it gets, great for social distancing. They're right in the heart of downtown St. Pete on the very first block of the famed Central Avenue, 180 Central Avenue. Their website is datstampa.com, and on Facebook you can find them at dats for foodies Check out Dats in downtown St. Pete. Our guest today co-founded a software business, worked at a big tech company, and then he watched an episode of Good Eats with Alton Brown and was inspired to make truffles. The rest, as they say, is history. Please welcome the founder and chief chocolate officer at William Dean Chocolates, Bill Brown. Welcome, Bill. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, so we've got Bill Brown, Alton Brown, and Lori Brown. <laughs> Downtown Lori Brown. Downtown, yep. <laughs> and, and no relation that we're aware of. Yes. Yet. No. Yet. Maybe later. <laughs> and then there's also Nick Okison, who one day we were at, having brunch with him at Social Roost. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I got a great idea for a guy you should interview on your podcast. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, I like that you're very responsive too. Like I sent you the text and you answer me right away. Some people I have to wait like three days. Right. So how how do you know Nick or how does Nick know you? Well, it started with my first shop. He was actually one of my first customers. I, I actually still remember the day he came in. Um, you know, Nick's a very striking person and he's a big guy he and is. just exudes this positive energy. So I still remember it. Uh, he was at the time with his partner, Billy, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, we just started talking, and then over the years, um, you know, I had I had a, a kind of a health issue and decided I wanted a doctor who I knew really had my best interests at heart. And uh, when I had, it was just, a, I'm doing good now, but I had a little heart issue. And, you know, during the middle of work, he shows up just to see how I'm doing. And I thought, that's the kind of person I want as a doctor. Mm-hmm. I wasn't his patient. Right, right, right. And so, you know, so he's been my doctor and a friend at the same time, and, uh um, you know, he's just been great. Yep. He's my doctor, too. He's Kevin's doctor, too. Yeah. <laughs> Doctoring St. We're Pete. all patients of Dr. Nick. But yeah, I, I met Nick. Um, it's been 20 years this year that we've known each other. And I always say that I met him in a drug closet because I was a, <laughs> I was a pharmaceutical rep at the time. And he was brand new in, in the practice. So he was the only doctor that would come talk to me. <laughs> and he's a big foodie. 
He's, Which he that's something is. we else uh, we share in, in common as well. So. And that was long before I ended up here. Yeah. So I learned a lot of my stuff about food through Nick and yeah. wine. Yeah, totally. Especially for Wino Friday. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm familiar with it. Yeah, tell people what Wino Friday is or was. Well, back in the day, I hope nobody from my old pharmaceutical company is listening, but Nick doesn't work on Fridays. He, you know, the office is just half day and it's just the staff. So I would finish up early and go over in the afternoons on Fridays and we would drink wine. And so we decided to give it a name and we called it Wino Friday and we would post things on Facebook and it kind of caught on. And Yeah, I, yeah there's an actual Facebook there's, check-in. I'm, for- I made a Facebook check-in there called Wino Friday Central. So we check in there whenever we're drinking, we'll, but we'll do Wine on Friday anywhere anyway. Right. Yeah. And Bill, you were saying that, you know, Nick is so, has so much positive energy, yeah. definitely does. And I guess that's a good thing if you're a doctor, because you, could you imagine if you had a doctor that was like really negative? <laughs> you're you're going to die. <laughs> well, he told me the first day I went in as a patient, uh, he gave me a hug and he said, I'm a hugger and uh-huh. you know, with anybody and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, sometimes you get some news you don't love and it's good to have somebody there that, you know, is taking it kind of personally that right. what you're going through, he, you know, is understanding. So it's, you know, he's a great friend, but it's also, I feel like I've got somebody in my corner health wise that I, I can yep. trust. Yeah. Yeah. And th- this is how we get Nick to listen to the episode. We talk <laughs> about him for like five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. So, you know, I've always called him Nick, but then when I decided to go see him as a doctor, I'm in the office and I figured, you know, protocol, I'm calling him Dr. Okuson. He's like, Kevin, give me a break. It's Nick. <laughs> and we're both from Kansas. Oh, oh, cool. And I almost went to the same college he did, too. Oh, really? I got recruited for football to Bethany. Uh-huh. And they were way too Swedish and Lutheran for me, so... <laughs> and he I, loves his Swedes. I know. Family. And so I decided to go to K-State, but we were talking once, and it was just ironic that he's quite a bit younger, but still uh, that Kansas... Uh, you know, connection that we have. Oh, yeah, that's... Did you eat squirrels, too? No. I, <laughs> I was from the civilized part of Kansas, uh, Kansas City, Johnson County. You go you go an hour any direction from there, and it gets a little rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I'm going to... It sounds like I'm going to a different topic, but I'm circling back around. Okay. Kind of. So, uh, Bill, your chocolates are definitely works of art and mm-hmm. could even be considered edible art. And it turns out you've always been artistically inclined since you were a kid. And there's a funny story on your website about you getting in trouble in school. Well, I was, you know, my, I'm one of five kids. And uh, it was like my mom, they were busy, five and six years. And they always thought I was the one that picked things up quicker. You know, I was reading in kindergarten. I was walking like at eight months. And <laughs> so I was the one I think they had pretty high expectations for. But come to find out when we get to, I get to school, I have no interest in doing anything people are telling me to do. <laughs> so all I would do is draw during class. I, I wouldn't pay attention. I would, they, you know, I did okay. And it got to the point, uh, I guess, where they took, the teacher took all my paper away from me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I remember they would have me come in after school and they'd have me do drawings. And I remember they gave me clay and said, try. so they would put stuff up all over the school. So I had some talent, I, I mean... As much talent as a, you know, a, a, an elementary school kid's going to have. Right. But I mean, they actually had me come in after school and, and gave me anything I wanted artistically. And, and so I know they were trying to encourage that. But I guess what happened, and I, I have a great memory, but I don't remember this at all. Uh, my parents got called to school and I was in the principal's office and my teacher and were both like crying. And I guess I'd come back from the bathroom with paper towels 
and was drawing on them during class. Oh, and that, no. was, <laughs> that was kind of the last straw for her. And I don't remember it, but I never drew after that. Oh. And I would even, I remember when Pictionary came out, it was such a hot game. I would actually break into a sweat playing the game. And when they tried to get me back into art as, in junior high, I just wouldn't have it. I just couldn't do it. I just felt kind of blocked. What did she do? Did she paddle you or something? I don't know. She probably just said something, and I just was a sensitive kid. But when I started doing the chocolate, it's like the channel opened back up, and I didn't feel any kind of apprehension, and it was like a way to express myself artistically. So it's all it was bottled up in there. It just it didn't have any way to show itself. So I'm thankful for that because, you know, that's what you need in life. You need yeah. to let the stuff you do well come out. Right. Yeah, exactly. So we, we know you grew up in Kansas. And then, so what brought you to Florida? Well, um, again, following my uh, wayward child, um, you know, I, I went through, I went to a good high school, went to college, but really didn't have any plan for life. I was just sports. <laughs> I, was playing, I, 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 was, I was a little bit like that too. I was playing like pro softball for like 12 years. So I just, oh. I would play like 300 games a year for Eastern sports. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Easton's a big sports manufacturer mm-hmm. and so I played on one of their teams which so I would just do a day job to let me do that and mm-hmm. then I was in my 30s and I started to realize it was kind of like Dustin Hoffman in The Graduate that instead of plastics my mind was like technology which I knew nothing about but I decided I need to get mm-hmm. involved and I had some friends that were computer nerds on a help desk and I said hey can you help me and they got me in there even though I knew nothing but my customer service skills were excellent and it was a GSA a uh, huge facility in Kansas that had two people appointed by the president that ran it. And every time the technicians went onto their computers, they would upset them so much because they would change everything. They were very nerdy. So they would always tell the people after they moved everything on their desktop around, this is how you should do it. So I was assigned to high profile customers. And when they left the room, I'd get on the walkie talkie and say, okay, what do I do? And they would walk me through it. And so that kind of started me in technology. And then I got into sales and got became part of a, a software company and then moved to Atlanta where I was a co-founder of a, a software company and then was involved in another company that was in USA Today as so you can't miss. And what, and what company was that? It was called ePanacea. This was around 2000. Mm-hmm. So this is right when the tech bubble burst. Mm-hmm. And it was a great idea about 10 years ahead of its time. Right. And we turned down this huge round of funding because we'd just been in the USA Today and we had been... Red Herring's a, a place that tech companies would go to and talk about their product. We were the darlings of Red Herring. So we turned down $15 because our CEO decided we're going for $70 million. <laughs> Three weeks later, the market crashed. There was no funding. We hung around for about six months. And then um, you know, I went to work for another software company. And then I decided I'm done with startups. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be part of a new company. I came down to St. Pete um, and began working at Ceridian, which is a big benefits company. You could probably see the tower from here about. Uh, it's on 34th Street. Um, and I was there for about five, six years. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my, my plan was I'm going to get become part, part of a big company, prove myself, and rise through the ranks. And I was doing that. I actually liked my job. Mm-hmm. So I was managing the Cobra Benefits. Had, a, you know, like 170 employees. And so all the stuff I made at home, after I saw Alton Brown... I would bring stuff to them and just give it. So I was, I think I was popular more for that than being a good manager. <laughs> so that's kind of how, I, you know, I kind of reinvented myself, was doing really well. 
moving up as fast as you, you can only get promoted once a year. I was promoted every year mm-hmm. and was in upper management. And, you know, New York Life had actually recruited me away. Uh, they wanted me to be a director. And so things were going well. But, you know, when you maybe I think we're all different, but I'm somebody that has to have something burning inside for what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And money isn't what what motivates me. My you know younger brother is a great guy. He has a, a engineering company. He makes lots of money. And I always say the sad thing is he's a nice guy too. But I mean, he's more motivated by the money. that. Right. I mean, that's not everything to him. But I mean, it's enough for him to work hard and feel like mm-hmm. his life is going the way he wants. But for me, at the end of the day, I got to feel my soul's a little bit inspired as well. And so when chocolates came up, it was just like immediately, I, I, this is it. I, I knew this was where I was going to go. That's awesome. So how do you, how do you start a chocolate company? It wasn't easy after all the failed.com. So I, <laughs> I knew the instant I played with them visually and flavor. So I had two different ways to kind of express my creativity. I knew that, uh, this was the path I wanted to go on, but I also knew having been, part of three failed companies uh my mom in particular and my dad were not real thrilled about the idea of you know I've moved up five promotions in five years I was already targeted uh Ceridian had had me do come up to their corporate office and do uh I did some videos for the whole company about customer service so they they had identified me as a key employee. Yeah. Your parents are like, you got a good job. What is with this yeah. chocolate stuff? Time to quit. No. <laughs> and so I kept playing with it, and I knew this is what I want to do, but I thought I need, at this point, I thought I really want to have people behind me when mm-hmm. I do this. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I'm from Kansas City. Kansas City happens to be one of the few cities that has a Dean and DeLuca in it. So Dean and DeLuca is a very big, mm-hmm. fine foods place, especially in New York. The one in Kansas City happened to be one of the biggest ones they have. So I took my mom there. I'd made some chocolates, brought them home for a fundraiser. Thought, I'll just take her and let her see how well they do at Dean and DeLuca. So we're looking at the chocolate cabinet. And my mom, of course, asked, how much are these chocolates? And the lady says, $60 a pound. And my mom's immediate response was, nobody's going to pay that. And then the woman said, we can't keep them in stock. (laughs) And my mom, who's trying to talk me out of it, immediately said, well, his are better than that. And they said, do you have any? And so we went home and brought them back. Oh, wow. By the time we, the the manager wasn't in yet. By the time we got back to the house, he'd already called. Oh, wow. And said, I want your chocolates in North Carolina and Kansas City. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So So your first sale was to Dean and DeLuca? That's crazy. And your mom was standing there? The one who was saying, don't (laughs) Don't do do it. it. And then my older brother, who's an accountant, and he's a very, he has an accounting company. So both my brothers have their own company. So my mom was always proud of that. And then there's me. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, she, uh, you know, he's a very conservative accountant. And he actually said, you know, I think if with some help, Bill could make a go of this. And so when Terry said that, you know, you know we started with a very modest, like $95,000 uh, investment from mm-hmm. friends and family. And we just started the company. And, you know, he's very good. My, you know, Terry said, you know, don't worry about making any money. Just make a product people want. So we spent mm-hmm. the first six months not worrying about rent or things like that. Who, who said that to you? My older brother. The, the accountant. accountant. The accountant. Wow. Because he said, you know, that's the important thing is to have a product people want. And mm-hmm. so we were selling to Dean and DeLuca. And then all of a sudden, we just had some good luck. The View, Whoopi Goldberg had gotten our chocolates. A, a customer took them up there. And so I got a call wanting us to send chocolates for The View. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's 
How cool 13 is that? years ago, and she still orders almost every week. Wow. She's very <laughs> generous. I mean, you know, she's a very polarizing figure probably to some people, but she is a very unselfish oh, I, person. Yeah, I, I get yeah. that about I her. I mean, even yeah. people who she doesn't get along with sometimes, at least it outwardly doesn't look like it. She sends, I mean, she's, I, I'm very impressed because over the years we've dealt with many celebrities. She's the one whose money where, is kind of where her mouth is. And so right. I just think the world of her, but it helped us because we had just opened and, you know, of course, we had Dean and DeLuca, but that doesn't mean a lot to people who don't know Dean and DeLuca. As soon as we were on The View, local press, you know, we were on the map. Right. And then within a few months, the Aria Casino was opening, and they had asked us, um, can you submit a bid? So when we open the hotel, we want to have chocolates for every suite. So a 20-piece box for like 1,400 wow. rooms. And I just started the business, so I wasn't very savvy, so I didn't even give them a discount. <laughs> and I realized afterwards, oh, that's not good. Right. So, like, three months later, they were supposed to tell you who they selected. I didn't even, I just had written it off, thinking there's no way. And so I get a call, and they're like, you're the only chocolatier that didn't call us back. And I was like, <laughs> well, I, I assumed you'd call me if there was any news. And they said, yeah, we want to use you for the opening of the <laughs> Aria. That's so awesome. In our first year, we had that like a week or two after Christmas, which we were, it was our first busy Christmas. Then we had to make, and it was just me at the time. Wow. So it's, you know, 20 pieces, whatever, whatever that is off, uh, uh, 28,000 chocolates and then packing them took a, more than a day and we shipped out like 20 boxes to the Aria. So it was, it was, you know, that was, you know, within the first year I never dreamed of, you know, first of all, Dean and DeLuca, then the view, then the Aria Casino. And right. it really, really kind of, and those doors opened for us. And what year did you start? 2007. Okay. Really 2008 was the first, that's when this all happened. It was 2008, 2009. We were late 2007. Technically we were open. Nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, so, you know, we've caught a lot of good breaks along the way and, you know. You sure did. Yes. Yeah. Especially, I mean, especially during that time. It's yeah. 2008 when everything fell apart. It, yeah. And that's when I knew that uh, even, even uh, you know, this has been a crazy few years here mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I kind of learned that we're technically a luxury item, but we're an affordable luxury. We're right. not, you know, we're not a McLaren, you know, where people are like, you know, mm-hmm. they can still afford a $20 box of chocolates if they want it to be special. Right. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, we've just, I want to say it's all good planning, but a lot of it just... We, we just started down a path and it just happened to be the right path. <laughs> we understand that. We, we, we ended up doing this by accident. So. Yeah, same thing. Yeah. Oh, and before I forget, I want to thank you for bringing the chocolate samples. Yesterday when I was preparing for this, I was dying. I had no chocolate in the house and I didn't have time to go get some. I'm yeah, just like, you, were, I'm, you was text messaging me about it because we don't, <laughs> we don't live together. Mm-hmm. So um, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesdays, I'm on my own at my place and he's on his own at his place. And he's like... Oh my God, I don't have any chocolate. <laughs> it won't be the chocolates you like the best. It won't? It'll be the ones I like? It'll probably be, it could be, but I mean, our popcorn has a huge fan base. Oh, there's, ah. there's popcorn in there? There's, oh, I see. I see. caramel mm-hmm. corn that I actually learned how to make what's called a hard nougat from this really famous French chef. And I made it and nobody here would eat it. It's like a really hard peanut brittle with lots of nuts and coriander. Ooh. They would need it. And I'm like, this is, too, it has honey in it and Ooh. vanilla bean. So I'll I, eat it. It's too good not to use it. So I I changed it just a little bit to make it a base for our caramel corn. By You know, you had baking soda, and that makes it puff up, and then you coat it. And so it's very addictive. And, <laughs> uh, and then the latest one is, 
even though I'm, a, I guess, a chocolate snob, I love Jelly Bellies. I always I have. love Jelly Bellies, too. <laughs> so I decided to pair different flavored chocolates with different flavored Jelly Bellies. So I do about 10 flavors. Like, I'll take a cotton candy Jelly Belly, and then I'll coat it in Dolce de Leche chocolate. Mm-hmm. And it's like an M&M. It's yeah. a panned item. So those things have been flying nice. off the roof. And <laughs> I was afraid to call them Jelly Bellies because you always hear about getting sued. Right. Mm-hmm. And my sister was on a plane with a guy who works for Jelly Bellies. <laughs> of course, of, of and she course gives she them was. to him. And I'm like, Susie, that probably wasn't smart. Well, he shows up and he says, we love these. We want you to put our logo on the box. That's so awesome. <laughs> and it's Jelly Bellies. It's singular and plural. So he was giving me the, all the, but the, I mean, they liked him enough. They said, you know, because I was so worried about, you know, copyright infringement and it, it was kind of validating that they were like, no, we think they're great. Yeah. Well, and, it wow. gives them, gives them market or, or promotion as well. So yeah. yeah, that's great. That's funny. <laughs> they used to be gourmet jelly beans. Now they're Jelly Bellies. Yeah. Right. Funny. But they're it's addictive. Funny too that I just ordered some Jelly Bellies. Remember? Yeah. On, on uh, from Amazon, I love the buttered popcorn one. Oh, my least favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I unfortunately got them, and they were they were kind of stale. They're the most popular Jelly Belly they make. I love them. And my problem is popcorn's my favorite food. In it's the world. one of my favorite foods in the world too. And it reminds me of if you've ever eaten popcorn and some water dripped on one. Uh-huh. It's like That's the what, texture's off. Oh, so the, you don't like the texture? Yeah. 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 I love the But flavor. it tastes like popcorn. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. So we have some bills to pay, so we're going to take a quick break. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> and, and yeah. <laughs> no pun intended. We're not having any fun around here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. As a St. Pete Foodies listener, you should also check out the Zest podcast from WUSF Public Media. You know, the Tampa NPR folks. Every Thursday, host Dahlia Cologne shares everything from food history to the best restaurants you haven't tried. There's recipes you'll want to try and a different slice of our state's foodie scene. The key lime actually is native to Southeast Asia. The English sailors were called limeys when they found out that they put it in their barrels of water to get rid of that brackish, well-watered taste. They uh, didn't get scurvy anymore, so they wanted them in all their ports in the tropics, so they took the seeds and planted them. So that's how we ended up with Key Limes down here. We invite you to listen to The Zest on your favorite podcast app or at thezestpodcast.com. Tell, Tell them St. Pete Foodie sent you. St. Pete is all about local, and this year we celebrate a local legend's 25th anniversary. Roland Oates Market and Cafe was founded in July of 94 by Bert Swain and Larry Schwartz. From the beginning, Roland Oats has made a commitment to provide St. Pete customers with the finest quality organic whole foods, nutritional supplements, and body care products at the most reasonable prices possible. And now they have a South Tampa location too. We go there for many items, but they are the only place that we go to buy our raw probiotics and other supplements. They have the best organic whole food selection in town, and on the flip side of that, they also offer a fantastic selection of wines and an unparalleled selection of local craft beer. Rollin' Oats has a cafe, Open Daily, which offers delicious sandwiches, burgers, soups, salads, bowls, wraps, entrees, and fresh-made smoothies, along with a variety of prepared and packaged take-home meals located in the market itself. Do you pride yourself with supporting local businesses? Well, put your money where your mouth is and get on into Rollin' Oats today. Rollin' Oats St. Pete is located at 2842 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Street North. 
and in South Tampa, you'll find them at 1021 North McDill Avenue. Check them out on the web at rollinoats.com. That's R-O-L-L-I-N oats.com. And Rollin' Oats offers online ordering with curbside pickup. We are back! We are back! We are back with Bill Brown from William Dean Chocolates. And you guys are located in Bel Air Bluffs, which is kind of like the Largo area. It Well, they would say it's Bel Air area, but you're right. Yeah, it's right. The, yeah it's don't, the ever, don't ever area. say the Largo area for uh-huh. Bel Air, the Bel Air people. Right. <laughs> Our first shop was in Largo. We moved two miles up the road to Bel Air Bluffs, which there you is... Go. So right. where are you located? What's that? What? It's 2790 West Bay. It's in the... West in, Bay. Okay. So there's a mm-hmm. Cody's, a Panera Bread. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really the only major strip so mall in Across from e and Exactly. Yep. And seaweed. Yeah. Yep. And yes. seaweed. Mm-hmm. We'll mention that again at the end. Okay. Sorry. That's okay. I've driven past there a lot lately. And you were starting to tell us about your soon-to-be second location while yes. we were on the break. So let's do that again. <laughs> it's exciting and scary at the same time. So um, we were actually looking at a location in St. Pete. Had a building picked out. Oh, wow. So excited because I love the St. Pete food scene. Mm -hmm. And on a Sunday, I get a phone call, and it's, this is Mark from, uh, he was not with Bromley, but, um, you know, we're developing Tampa Midtown, and we really want you here. And I'm like, I had sent stuff to him six months before, never heard back. Uh. Right. (laughs) And their philosophy is that they're curating this place, so don't apply because they're you oh, know because wow. i said well i, I don't see I, don't, I won't name them but some local people who i think are really good and they said no we we curated it we wanted ex- specifically what we wanted cool and so i when i first met him i was kind of i guess selling a little bit and he's like you don't need to sell anything you're in we want you nah. and at that point i'm like it's such a huge development for tampa and so t- even though i was kind of set on saint pete i felt like I think it's going to be the most significant development probably in 25 years. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even when you look at beautiful things. I can't things, even fathom it still oh, I, I, until it's done. I mean, Armature <laughs> Works is outstanding. All those are. But this place is like a, if you like New York, it's like city living almost because it's a whole city block that's kind of a city within a city with mm-hmm. 400 luxury apartments, two hotels, all these great restaurants. And so a Whole cool. Foods. The biggest Whole Foods in the Southeast. Uh, yeah. Shake wow. Shack. I mean, it's got everything. And we're smack dab in the middle of all of it by the parking garage. So when they park there, they have to walk by us. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm like, how can I, if we can't sell there, we're just, we just can't sell. sell anywhere. Yeah. Right. And cause you'll have about seven or 8,000 people a day that live or work there. Cause you know, any business owner knows the hardest thing is to get people mm-hmm. to come to see you. Cause if they have to drive to you like a restaurant, mm-hmm. if they have to drive to see you, it takes action. Right. by the consumer if they're just there the will it's like amazon we were talking yeah, about yeah, yeah, your yeah. will is broken because you can just type this <laughs> i want this and yes. it comes to you yes so i'm really excited about it and it's the scary part is you know it's such a major development we've really invested a lot into it we're gonna have it's gonna be a beautiful shop um because there's no breakfast place there technically we decided to add a bakery. Nice. So nice. we're going to have a full bakery with croissants and sandwiches yeah. and salads. You definitely need that in a place like that. Yeah. And people are coming to work in the morning. So mm-hmm. instead of just that new location, I also had to get a central kitchen between the two stores. So we're adding you know, about a 4,000 square foot kitchen that we'll do all of our production and shipping from and then to deliveries twice a day. So I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity because I think, you know, in life you get 
opportunities that present themselves and you either do it or you don't. Right. And I just felt like this was one of those that well, no matter what happens, it would have been a mistake not, not to, to take do. the risk. Right. Right. It was, yeah. it was to me worth the risk because, um, we've done well, you know, surprisingly through COVID because we can ship our product. So, right. you know, I don't know how a lot of these restaurants and I know some didn't make it mm-hmm. because they rely so much on people coming to their doors Right. And even takeout's not enough to, you know, support a full staff. But we were fortunate that we did pretty well. And uh, so we were in a position I thought it was worth the risk. So I'm really excited. I don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Somewhere between August and October. Okay. So this year, though. This year. I mean, the the exterior of the building's built. Yeah, we drove by just just last weekend. weekend. We're going to be right next to Joffrey. So there's... There's a central area that has two buildings. One is uh, True Food Kitchens, which Oprah's one of the owners of. The other is a building that we share with Joffrey's. And then there's a, a central lawn that's going to have benches and artwork, and it's going to be like a park area. And, uh, you know, again, my head's always spinning. I'm like, okay, there's no public restrooms there, so we're going to be the emergency destination for many people. <laughs> But I, you know, I was telling people with, you know, my, I guess my business mind going, you know, when I, ha- when I'm in that position where I need to use a restroom, I always buy something. Right. Place. <laughs> right. It's a guilt purchase. So I said, we're going to get some guilt purchases by people who would never have come in. Right. And they're going to see what we have and be shocked because it's, I really think we're going to bring stuff to Tampa that's never seen. That's, that's awesome. That's, that's your new ad campaign. You peed here. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> After you flush the counter. Yeah. Come to the counter. Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, well, it's going to be such a, it's going to be, I keep telling people, it's going to be like an ant farm of people. I mean, the whole place, not just us, but um, it's just so well designed. I mean, you know, when I talked to the developer, Mark, I just thought, because I've talked to a lot of people that have done developments and asked us, and they usually, as a a business that would be there, there's usually something that's not, wouldn't work for us. Mm -hmm. They, he answered everything perfectly and he, he's just so focused. Wow, that's, that's really incredible. Cool. Yeah. I guess we're going to have to go visit. Well, definitely. And then Most ma- definitely. And maybe in a couple of years, we'll have a St. Pete location. Yes. maybe. So. I wouldn't be surprised because, you know, I don't know who started it, but, and there's also going to be the hall at Midtown. Oh. So okay. it used to be, I've never been to the hall at hall Franklin. At Franklin? So it's, it's coming to Midtown. to Midtown. So there's going to be a version of that there as well. Nice. So cool. for foodies, and it's not bad for St. Pete. Cross the highway, park off, you know, it's right off the highway. Well, my son goes to school in Tampa. His father lives over there. So I go to Tampa. Well, he's 18 now, so he's going to be going to college this year. But we'll be going to, we have to go visit him and yes. stuff. <laughs> and, and, you know, for me, the location is just so convenient. Uh, the great thing about St. Pete is it doesn't even have to be convenient. I love driving down Central. I mean, just seeing what's happening. Right, exactly, right, right, yeah. right. So to me, that's part of the enjoyment of, of coming here. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes cities... If it's too much of a pain, you don't do it. But this will be pretty painless because you just get, get off on the, the highway yeah. right into there. Plenty of parking. Get in, get out. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. For the longest time, you know, Lori and I have said that we don't have a sweet tooth. But it turns out we've been lying. Yes, I guess <laughs> we have. We have the right sweets. All of a sudden, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so and we, we actually love good chocolate and we're often eating it late at night with a glass of bourbon. Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> Mix and the two, you got a perfect chocolate. Yeah. So you already said that, you know, William Dean Chocolates was founded in 2007, but really more like 2008 was the real first well, year. Yeah. And we should let people know that the company is named in honor of your father, William, and your grandfather, Dean. Ah, Hence, that was my next question, and actually. I'm named, I'm named after both of them, and I, we couldn't come up with a name. 
And it's pretty funny because men, I noticed every male chocolatier I named, I, I knew, named it after themselves. Uh, and then the women had thoughtful and original names like Vogue, Chocolate Modern. Right. And I thought, I really kind of like that better. So I didn't want to name it William Dean Brown Chocolates. My right. last name's Brown. Right. And somebody, you know, one of the investors said, you know, why don't you name it after your dad and your grandfather? And then the marketing person said, W is the most elegant letter in it, the yeah. alphabet. Oh, cool. Well, so I'm like, we do it. it. It's a great name. And it, it actually, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> can't come up with it exudes class yes it's, it's yes a, it i exudes think it does class. not that i do but uh <laughs> that's exactly what i was looking for it, it does it just exudes it, it, class it, it looks classy it's got a little snob appeal to it does it. yes and uh which we're not but and, and the nice thing is my mom who's still alive you know my dad had passed away before this um just like right before it and so she brought a picture of my dad my grandfather and me all you know three separate pictures and we hang it up in the store so I do see that picture every day, and it's kind of like they're part of this, uh, you know, this dream. dream, And uh, she doesn't like. Sometimes she feels ignored. So I'm like, well, you can be alive, or you can have a company named after you. (laughs) And I did name a bar after her that was published in a a magazine. So (laughs) the Arlene. That's funny. The Arlene. So I I read on your site. It says William Dean Chocolates follows the artisan tradition of creating everything we make by hand in small batches and without preservatives. Is that still the case? And how, how do you do that when it sounds like you have a pretty decent amount of volume? We do. And it's just, a, you know, you at your core, you have to make a commitment to what's important to you. Did you kidnap the Keebler elves? No, no. <laughs> I, if I, I can find them, we'll need them. <laughs> you know, it's just, I felt like natural flavors are the way to go. Mm-hmm. And so you won't go in and find raspberry flavoring and all that. And a lot of people use it. And, that's fine. If that's your business, you know, I always, I don't like somebody will mention like a, maybe a, a big company that's kind of, um, I don't know if I should say one, but like, well, like Fannie Mae's, which is good, mm-hmm. but they know what they want to be. Right. We're trying to elevate ourselves. We're, you know, we're a Mercedes. We're not a Ford. Right. Mm-hmm. And so to me, we use the best chocolate we can get. We use the best ingredients. It is a little more work. Uh, and we are doing some things to, we still use artisan methods. I have a new machine that we've not been able to use yet um, that will let us do about 100,000 chocolates a week instead of 20,000 chocolates wow. a week. Oh, wow. Because it, it automates some of the process. Not making it. We still have to make everything by hand, but it's called a one-shot. It's really cool. I can't wait to put it on the uh, on the internet, but it um, our molds, it, it can do 5,000 chocolates an hour, um, and only a third of our chocolates will be made that way. The other two thirds will be made the old way. But it, so it's a way we can automate it, still stay true to our artisan roots. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll still the centers will be exactly the same. The only difference is the machine will do some of the molding. It, it actually shoots the chocolate that's the outside, the inside, and the back all at once. Wow! I don't know how it's magic. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Yeah, you know, instead of the Keebler elves, I should have said the Oompa Loompas. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're, we're going to need some. So you know, we were talking earlier about how it's tough to find people right now, which is true. Um, we're, we're deep in R&D right now, so I'm, I'm using my senior staff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'm hoping that we need 10 pastry chefs, you know, mm-hmm. in the future. But, uh, um, but, but, you know, when you were asking that, I know people that switch there as they get popular. They decide we're going to do all caramels because caramels have a long shelf life. They're easy to make. Right. But I don't want a box of all. I mean, I love caramel, but I I still like chocolate, and I still want um, 
a rich, good chocolate. We use mostly Valrona, which is a French company. Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about them. Yeah. Yep. So you get your chocolate comes from them? Almost all of it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I'm using a little bit of chocolate from Cho, which you might have seen, TCHO. It's an artisan company out of Seattle. Okay. A good friend of mine who used to work for Valrona works for them. Mm-hmm. Sent me some samples. I really like it. And so we're using it for the shell of our dark chocolate. It's a, I mean, it's a good, it's a really good chocolate as well. But, you know, I've used Valrona since day one. And I just think they're, it's, it's more of a kind of a stylistic preference. I, I just like the way they make their chocolate. It's not that it's better than like Swiss. Like their dark chocolate tends to be a little more bitter, mm-hmm. roasted a little bit more. I just, personally, I like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's on our menu is what I like. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, apparently a lot of other people like what you like. Because I always say that if I like it, it's showing up. Right. So like Jelly Bellies, they finally made it. That's so cool, yeah. But not the butter popcorn one. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to make it. Not happening. <laughs> so you guys have uh, items such as bonbons, truffles, ganache, and some of these are part of the other ones. I was, exactly. I was trying to I was trying to learn this stuff yesterday. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm like, okay, well, what's the difference between this and that? And well, you- you're close. A bonbon is really the Belgian style of chocolate, where you use a mold. So you create the way you look at it is they create the shell first. So that, anything that we paint, we paint the shell, then we fill it with chocolate, then we put the center in, and because you have a shell, you can make a caramel or something that's more loose. The French style of chocolate, which is, they're called slabs, but they're little squares. It's almost like fudge. You pour the the center first, it hardens for a day or two, then you cut it, and then you coat it in chocolate. Ah, Interesting. And a truffle tends to be the old style, which we don't do a lot of those. They're the ones that um, traditionally, there's many different ways to look like it, but they look like truffles out of the dirt. You would make a, mm-hmm. a ganache roll it by hand and th- usually they'd roll it in cocoa powder so it looked like it was covered in dirt mm-hmm. <laughs> they're delicious it's just um it doesn't really fit the style of our box but we'll probably end up doing some of those mm-hmm. okay so you do some but not not a lot on truffles no right and you have uh chocolate bars as well yes we have, we have a lot of chocolate bars um we're going to add some more um our new machine's going to allow us which we can't do because it's it's much more technical but when we do our chocolate bars, it'll be able to pipe a layer of thin caramel or a different center inside of it. So cool. nice. Um, that we just physically can't, can't, do, can't that. do that. Right. Right. And we already talked about the popcorn. Are you also still doing uh, macarons? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. those are going <laughs> to. I think those will really see an increase. We sell a lot with dough. Mm-hmm. So we wholesale a lot of our products uh, like dough and dats and oh, some okay. others. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And dough buys a lot of our macarons mm-hmm. and uh the challenge we have is the humidity is so high here in Florida that um, unless you have the right conditions and you put a macaroon out, by the end of the day, it's going to be soggy, uh, soft. Right. So, yeah, and our cases are good cases, but they're dry. So if we put them inside of our case, they get turned into rocks. So we have to keep them frozen in Bel Air right now. And when people come in, we give them to them and they just say, give them 20 minutes. In Tampa, the new case we're getting is specifically made so they'll be, I can grab and give you one, you can eat it right away. So I cool. think they're going to really, and they're really popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also noticed with the uh, with the chocolates that you do some holiday-themed designs, like mm-hmm. Halloween, you might have like a ghost or a witch, or it says trick-or-treat on it, and of course, you know, like the orange and black colors. Mm-hmm. What are some of the other uh, holiday seasonal items you do? Um, you know, before this uh, chocolate bomb thing, I had done, for us, the original one, I, make a, I actually make a coffee mug out of chocolate. <laughs> That's cool. And then I put chocolate mix in it 
and you just heat up a saucepan of milk, put the cup in there, and it just dissolves, and you have enough hot chocolate for four or five people. Ah, that's awesome. That's cool. So we, did, we didn't do many last year just because with the whole COVID thing and, and staffing, it didn't. But that's going to be something we carry all the time. Um, like our Easter eggs are super popular. They're about the size of a football. They're all, <laughs> they're all hand-painted. Oh, wow. One of the girls does a great job. She does palm trees and then sprays a sunshine or sunset behind it. Oh, wow. So they're all one of a kind. Um, we do puzzles made out of chocolate with an image like of Santa Claus or whatever. Uh-huh. So we do a lot of fun stuff. Christmas and Easter are the biggest ones for that. Um, Halloween, I forgot, is not a kid's holiday anymore. It's for adults. So we need to, <laughs> yeah. we need to target that more for adults than we did in the past. Because right. What about Valentine's Day? it's the craziest time of the year I so bet. for valentine's day we do uh typically 19 different hand-painted hearts mm-hmm. they all look different and then we have a heart box we have made that looks like it's red crocodile leather nice. and it's a keepsake box and so the two busiest days of the year are always valentine's day and they're because it's all men um the right, women right. have the women have shopped for two or three weeks ahead yeah. of time <laughs> And it's funny because women always laugh and I'm like, you know what the good thing is? Uh, men are like basically like Marines. They just want to get in and they want to get out. Get out. <laughs> yeah. So they're like, I need two. And I'm like, do you want to pick anything? No, just give me two. You know. <laughs> so from a retail standpoint, that's a lot easier to do than, you know, we have people who are really thoughtful and they want a 36 piece box and they want to pick all 36 oh, flavors. It can take 10 minutes. Yeah. And so then the line keeps building up mm-hmm. behind them. Right. <laughs> that's great. The company is William Dean Chocolates and Bill Brown. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. Thank you you for having me. It was fun. And I should mention, you guys are open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., Sunday, 10 to 5, and you will find them in Bel Air Bluffs Plaza. Yes. Kind of near the water. And the website Mm -hmm. is? WilliamDeanChocolates.com. Yep. We'll be right back. This is Chris Walker. New on the website, we have the newly updated 10 Best Fish and Chips in St. Pete. And we have two new restaurant reviews. Brooklyn South, which is an old standby for sandwiches and cheese and charcuterie in the Edge District. And Cuba Cocina, which is a newly opened Cuban restaurant on St. Pete Beach. It's in the north part near Pasadena. You'll find all that and a bag of chips at stpetersburgfoodies.com. Next week on the show, our guest is Liz Senyak. She is the Director of Operations for Seed and Feed Hospitality, which owns Mandarin Hide and Trophy Fish. If you want to get in touch, just drop us an email at info at stpetersburgfoodies.com. That's it for this episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Bill Brown. And thanks to our sponsors. Trophy Fish. Dr. Barbecue. Rollin' Oats. The Zest Podcast. Noble Crust. Booyah Ramen. And and Engine engine Number number nine. 9. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef, and our theme music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. Please give us a rating and review on whichever app you're using to listen to the show, and remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until Until next next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold.
are wise, you'll listen to me. What do you get when you guzzle down sweets? Eating as much as an elephant eats. What are you at getting terribly fat? What do you think will come of that? I don't like the look of it. Oompa, loompa, doompa-dee-da. If you're not greedy, you will go far. You will live in happiness too. Like the oompa, loompa, doompa-dee-doo. 